Well, hello, everyone. It's so good to have you here. I'm so glad you joined me. My name is Pastor D, and I'm from the Heights Church, and this is Devos with D. And I just want you to know that we are in the book of Ephesians, and there is going to be something good that we're going to get out of today. I hope you stick with me. It might be a little longer today because we've got a lot to cover. But there's a word from the Lord that I got this week, and I thought it was mostly to share with you, but it was also for me. Because the word of the Lord just isn't for the person that's getting that word. A lot of times the word is for someone else or the word is to be prayed over. But I was definitely included in the word this time. It, the word was loss. Many of you out there may be experiencing what you see as loss. Maybe it's a relationship that's not going well, a marriage that is not going well. Maybe your business is on the down, downturn. It's on, on the skids even. You're looking at the stock market and the stock market is just zigzagging. You don't know if you should take your money out, leave your money in, what you should do. It might be the fact that you have a teenager that won't listen. They're being rebellious. You may even have lost a friend, a parent, an aunt, an uncle, a child even to COVID-19. So there has been a lot of loss. And I experienced a bit of loss today. You said, really, Pastor Dave? Oh yeah, today, someone scammed me. Now, usually I'm pretty quick at, you know, figuring things out, but my mind was elsewhere and I let myself be fooled. But that's okay. Even though they fooled me out of quite a bit of money, I had a sister in the Lord to call me and pray with me. And so I've got the joy of the Lord now. She said something that turned it around for me. She said, even though you lost this money, your heart was in the right place. And God sees that. And he's going to turn this around for good. And I believe that. You know, Joseph was just tormented by his brothers. They hated his guts. They ended up selling him. He went to Egypt. Here he is, a free man. And now he's in Egypt under bondage. So they thought they were annihilating or cutting off the, his destiny or cutting off the dream that God had given him. But he became second to Pharaoh. Now he went through a lot. He, had, he saw a lot of loss during that time, but he ended up saving not only himself, but saving Egypt and saving his family and saving surrounding countries. I believe today that even though I lost something, God will turn it around for good. Can you believe that for your life? I'm telling you, if God is for you, who can be against you? I don't care what they do. So I know that God is going to turn the situation around for good, not only for you, but for me also. Amen? So let's get into the book of Ephesians. We're going to be in Ephesians chapter 3. As we look at Ephesians chapter 3, Paul highlights an entirely new revelation of the plans of God. This revelation of God was that his love, mercy, and grace was meant not only for the Jews, but for all mankind. Paul speaks specifically of Gentiles being in the same league as the Jews, meaning they were on the same footing as the Jews. He prayed God's plans for them to be revealed. 
So Paul is starting to transition from a Christian understanding of salvation, grace, and the power of Christ into a practical guide of Christian living. So let's dive in. I just said that Paul prayed. He prayed a lot in this particular chapter, and he prayed a lot in the book of Ephesians. But let's look at the scripture that we're going to focus on tonight. It is Ephesians chapter 3, verses 14 through 19 in the NIV. And I'm going to read it. And please get your Bible, open your iPad, your Nook, your Kindle, whatever, and read the word of God with me in the NIV. For this reason, I kneel before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives his name. I pray that out of his glorious riches, that he may strengthen you with power through the Holy Spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you being rooted and established in love may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. And to know this love that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Isn't that rich? Isn't that just, wow, it's sensational. Let's look at Paul's prayer. I'm just going to go off track a little bit because I want to focus on Paul's prayer. Paul couldn't journey to see them because he was in bonds. He was chained. He was a prisoner. But he knew coverage in prayer for them was vital. So he knew that his prayers weren't just bouncing off the ceiling or bouncing off the jail wall. And even though he couldn't put his hand on them and pray, he knew that his prayers were going to be effective. Listen to this, what I read from the Gutenberg College. This is what they said about Paul's prayers, and I want to share it with you. The prayers of the Apostle Paul are a wonderful example of Christian maturity expressed through prayer. In most of the letters he wrote, Paul included a prayer for his readers. Paul's prayers are touching, they're profound, eloquent, and loving. In addition, however, they are to guide us in our journey of faith. Paul's heart was fixed on the essential things, things which are true and important and indispensable. Paul's prayers then became a mirror in which we can examine ourselves, asking whether our concerns are anywhere close to Paul's. So he, in his prayers, he's giving us something to think about. His prayers were transformational. His prayers were, were for the believer's highest good. He expected something to happen and that they had a changed life or they had a greater success in their life, that they went on to fulfill their destiny, to do the things that God had called them to do. He also speaks of the experiential, personal, and relational knowledge of God that can only be found through the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. So I just wanted to share that about Paul's prayers because, you know, we can learn a lot from what Paul prayed. So there are three things that I want to share with you. And here's the first one. 
be strengthened with power. Where? Where are we to be strengthened? In the inner man, which is our human spirit, our true self. What is our inner man? It strengthens the ability to reason and discern what is right or wrong. The kind of wisdom to keep that is pure and safe. That's what our inner man is able to do. It makes our conscious sensitive, tender, and alert. And it makes our will strong enough to back our knowledge and carry out divine directed intentions. That's what our inner man, our true self is supposed to do. By the Holy Spirit, when Christ abides in us, the Holy Spirit is there. So the Holy Spirit is doing work. When we allow Christ into our lives, the Holy Spirit comes in also. Our strengthening is consistent with who is granting it. And the person that's granting it is God. So we can be assured that we will be strengthened. God is able to provide abundant strength because he has a great capacity to do so. God is mighty. But how do you look at God? You know, not too long ago, maybe a few years back, I saw this movie and I'm a big Marvel comic book fan. I read Marvel comic books when I was a child and I collected them. So I watched this movie, which was a Marvel movie called The Avengers. And in this particular movie of The Avengers, and it was the first movie, they got together and they were fighting the enemy. And one of the enemy's name was Loki. And Loki was a half-brother of Thor. Loki suddenly in, a, in one of the scenes has to deal with the Hulk. And Loki is so prideful, he thinks that there isn't anything that the Hulk can do because he's so great. But the Hulk grabs Loki and he just beats the pulp out of him. Just beats him to a pulp. I'm not kidding. You should see that movie. And Hulk walks away after he beats up Loki and he said, puny God. I want you to know that our God isn't puny. And I hope that you're not looking at God in a that he is puny, that he's a small God, that your problem is bigger than God is. So God has a great capacity to strengthen us. He has power to help us. Listen to this quote from Joyce Myers. She said, to fully release the power of the Holy Spirit within us, we must allow God to deal with us and do with us as he wills. Yeah, we're not just going doing our own thing. We're letting God do what he will in us and through us. Hallelujah. The second thing is, let Christ, let Jesus Christ, the Messiah, dwell in your heart. That word there in the Greek is katakin, katakin. And it means to settle down, to reside, to make a permanent residence as opposed to a temporary residence. So Christ wants to make permanent resident in you. 
He wants to reside with you. And he wants to dwell in your heart. That word heart is used to indicate the center of your inner life as a person. So I have some questions I'd like to ask you, and I want you to listen closely, and I want you to think about these questions even after you've seen this particular video. Is Christ the absolute center of your life? Does Christ rule over all that you are and all that you do? Do you allow Christ to have rightful ownership? Because see, if you belong to Jesus Christ and he abides in you, he is your Lord. He is your master. And so you won't go off doing your own thing. You know that you're directed by the Holy Spirit and you will follow the Holy Spirit because those that are led by the Spirit of God are the sons of God. One more question. Does he control your heart or your inner man? Does Christ control that? So that we're not harboring things in our heart that we shouldn't have there, that would cause us to do things that we don't or shouldn't do. Hallelujah. How do we let Jesus, how do we let him dwell in our hearts? The scripture says it's by faith. It's through faith that opens the door of our heart to Jesus. It is not enough that he be on the tongue or flit through the brain. This is John Calvin talking here. It is not enough that he be on our tongue or flit through our brain. The heart is his proper seat. So he wants lordship. He wants to be on the seat of your heart. He wants to be the king of your heart. Now, the third thing I want to share with you, be rooted and established in love. Be rooted and established in love. What does it mean rooted? Rooted suggests the image of a tree. There's a tree in South Africa. It's called a wild fig tree and it's near what's called Echo Caves. This tree has roots that dig down 400 feet into the ground. And it's actually in the Guinness Book of Records as the only tree that has the deepest roots. God wants you rooted and grounded in love. He wants you to be that deep in love. The love of Christ is vast, it's limitless, and it's as limitless as the universe or the depths of the ocean. God wants us established. I'm going to go back to that. And what does it mean to be established? I just said it. It means to be grounded. Something that you have your foundation resting on, as in a building. And we are rooted and established, rooted and grounded in love. Listen to St. Jerome about the love of Christ. He said the love of Christ reaches up to include the holy angels, that it reaches down to include even the evil spirits in hell, that in its length, it covers the men who are striving on the upward way. 
and in its breath, it covers the men who are wandering away from Christ. It's limitless. His love covers everything. You can't get away from the love of God. His love brings power. His love brings a fullness of God. No man is outside of the love of Christ. Neither is any place outside of its reach. There is nothing outside of love's reach. Let's look at Psalm 139, verses 7 to 8. And I want you to know this is David speaking here. This is a Psalm of David. He says, where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go up to the heavens, you are there. If I make my bed in the depths of hell, you are there. I want to read that again. Because a lot of times people think they're out of the reach of God's love. They think they've done things so terrible that no, love can't deal with it. Yes, Jesus's love can deal with it. Maybe other people's love can't deal with it, but Jesus's love can deal with it. Psalm 139, seven through eight again. Where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go up to the heavens, you are there. If I make my bed in the depths of hell, you are there. Aren't you glad about that? You are not beyond God's reach. Oh, it's, it's just glorious. I'm just so excited about that. Hallelujah. Listen to this quote and then I'm done. This is Dwight L. Moody, and he said, if we have the true love of God shared abroad in our hearts, we will show it in our lives. We will not have to go up and down the earth proclaiming it, or we don't have to go up and down the earth shouting it. We will show it in everything that we say and do. Hallelujah. I'm going to go back over it again. God wants us strengthened with his power. He wants Christ, his son, to dwell in our hearts. And he wants us to be rooted and grounded, established in his agape love. Hallelujah. Let us pray. Father, I just give you thanks and praise for this word. I am fired up, God, because I thank you that we can be rooted and grounded and, and fashioned in your love. Love is so important, God, and we couldn't have it without you placing it in our hearts. We think we can love. We thought we loved, but we didn't love truly until you came into our lives. Lord, I ask you to reach out and touch all those who don't understand your love or don't see your love or who have never experienced your love or never experienced a relationship with you. Father, I pray that you will be in their lives tonight, that after tonight, after they go back over this lesson in Ephesians 3, they will know that you're there for them and that you want to have a relationship with them. So we give you thanks and praise for all of those who are watching. In Jesus' name, amen.